Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Check this out. Illinois has recreational cannabis, right? What if you want to feel real good without getting high? And how about ordering it online and getting it right to your door? Well, there's this company, Mineral. They do whole plant hemp oil formulations. It's like CBD, but it's more than CBD. Mineral grows the hemp in Colorado. They formulate the product in Colorado, and they create these organic all-plant formulations for anxiety, stress, inflammation, post-at-home workout, and get this, the sleep one. It's fantastic. So what makes them unique is they actually blend these plant components together. Things that the body has, like fats and vitamins, that actually increase the absorption and effectiveness. So you actually get to feel the benefit of these formulations, truly. The guy who founded the company, Mills is his name. He's coming on the show next week, and you're going to hear his story. He was in Peru. They tried to take out his colon, but he used cannabis oil to recover instead. I know, it sounds trippy, but wait till you hear his story. It's mineral. It's a beautiful company, beautiful formulations. I love the balance. I love the sleep. It's mineralhealth.co. That's M-I-N-E-R-A-L-H-E-A-L-T-H dot C-O. And if you're listening to this podcast, and I know you are, you want to try their formulations, then use code CHICAGO15. That's Chicago spelled out in the number 15. That's C-H-I-C-A-G-O-1-5. You do that, you'll get 15% off your first order. That's 15%. That's only available for listeners of the podcast. So use that code. Thank you, Mineral, and thank yourselves, too, because you're going to love this stuff. Cannabis without the high. That's correct. One of these days, I'm going to get Ben to do CBD. <laughs> Use the code, right? Use the code. Use that code. Use that code, man. Come on now. How's it going, everybody? All right. Your Ben Jarofsky show is about to begin. How you feeling, Ben? You know, can't complain. Yeah, you know. I mean, you can complain with everything that's going on, but you can't complain. I like that. Yeah, you know, I mean. It's what we like about you, Benny yeah, J. I mean, you know, I got this, I got that, but you know, what's the good? What's the point of complaining? You know what I mean? Huh? 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 Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only guy. You've been world. doing that for like the last two months. I like it. I, <laughs> Kenny Davis is probably the only person in the world who knows that bit. Uh, Burns and Schreiber, comedy duo from the 60s oh boy millennials i, I tell you <laughs> we're, that, gonna, we're gonna have a lot of references that you'll get today as well okay? no it's not even millennials what's the what's the one before millennials the, the zoomers X? no zoomers are after mill x i think x oh, is x like, yeah, the x yeah. Is like i don't get it um xers are like more antagonistic toward millennials i i mean toward uh boomers than millennials are. Well, how about this if you're not insanely old <laughs> we're gonna give you some great references uh involving 2020 and a few years before that today as well uh uh, live stream chat. How's it going? Yeah, we we just found out here. Uh, Brian Dennehy passed away. Yeah, great great actor, Brian Dennehy, man. Uh, Tommy Boy, all right, all right, great actor. <laughs> You're doing that thing again, huh? 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 Anyway, De Brian Dennehy would know that reference. Oh yeah, he go. That's a good one. All right, your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, April sixteenth is just moments away. 
But before we get into this, let's thank these unions for sponsoring our program. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Non-Aerosmith Workers, Local 126 and District 8. That's correct. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. That's correct. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. That's correct. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Ben Jarofsky, it's a fairly nice <laughs> Thursday afternoon. Give us a song of the day. Well, you know, I'm torn between two songs. Uh, so I'm going to go with this one song that I've been singing all day, driving Dennis crazy all morning. Uh, Come on and join our convoy. Ain't it a beautiful set? Ding, 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 ding. Kind of relevant to sort of what I'll be talking now, about. Now, Ben and I had a debate uh, if anyone would recognize that song. If you're listening right now on the live stream chat, please weigh in. One more time, that song, Ben. <clears throat> Hold on, water time. <clears throat> Hold on. Mm. Hey, we got nothing going on. God, did I tell you the water's really good in this house? All right. Come on and join our convo. Ain't it a beautiful set? Bing, 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 bing. Weigh in if you've heard it. <laughs> I got a feeling no. <laughs> the Bendrovsky Show starts now. It is Thursday, April 16th. And live from Ben's house. This is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's the return of Indivisible Illinois and the Chicago Reader's Lenny Mana Hoppenworth with Rose Colasino. And now your host, come on and join his convoy. <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Operation Gridlock Thursday. And here's why. Oh, yep. First off, people have heard that song on the on the live stream chat. All right. Shout out to Fred. He says, C.W. McCall. Yes. <laughs> Love you, Fred. C.W. McCall, man. Even Pat Rod knows it. Pat Rod's my age. <laughs> Pat Rod's my man. Everybody knows that song. It's like, you know, it was like during the C, what is it? CB craze or whatever it was. Everybody, oh, CB. Yeah. yeah you know. Oh, hammer down there. We got to get down on the road there. Exactly. And in the song, they have guys. Ten four, good buddy. <laughs> That's exactly right. My dad had a handle. Yeah, well, your dad. I bet your dad knows this song. Come on and join our convo. Ain't it a beautiful set? Anyway, all right, let's get serious. Operation. Come on, join my convo. Ain't it a beautiful set? Operation Gridlock. That story was going down uh, as we were in the show uh, yesterday. I missed it while it was happening in real time. It was the show was over, and uh, Dennis was putting the show up. You got to see him, man. He's all business. Don't talk to him between it's genius at work time. I'm a huge jerk when that when that time comes. Don't talk to me. He's doing all stuff, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he checks his email. He goes, "Oh my God, there's some." Weird thing going on in Michigan, Operation Gridlock, and I've been obsessed with it ever since. Operation Gridlock, of course, was this um, protest uh, that erupted yesterday in the state of Michigan. There was also like mini Operation Gridlocks, I think, in Kentucky. Yeah. And um, the news was breaking as, as the show was going on. Uh, our good friend Pat Whalen weighed in. But I've learned how old Ben Jarofsky works, all right? He, we need about a day to process <laughs> it all, about 24 hours to process it, and really get a good riff on it, all right? So here we are, 24 uh, hours later. By the way, brown line going by. Take a uh, toke, everybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually was processing it at the moment when it was going down when you told me about it. I go, what is it? 
So, you know, of course, uh, Operation Operation Gridlock uh, is where a bunch of MAGA hatters uh, in Michigan decided it would be a good idea uh, to get in their cars uh, and to drive down to Lansing and tie up traffic uh, so ambulances can't get to hospitals, you know, during a pandemic, uh, to protest the fact that we are doing uh, stay-at-home, and particularly Michigan, they have a stay-at-home, and they want uh, the economy to start going right now. So we'll get into the uh, the details a little bit, but that, if you missed it, I'm sure you uh, haven't, because anybody who's listening to this show is a political junkie and knew about it in real time, uh, but uh, if you missed it, that's the backdrop. So let me just uh, point out a few things. Uh, we are living in uh, crazy times. This is a, a, perhaps the most insane period that uh, I've ever lived through. And uh, just when I decide it can't get any crazier, guess what? It gets crazier. So follow me. Uh, here I am broadcasting from my attic. Uh, no longer in the studio, my beloved studio uh, at the Sh- Chicago Sun-Times, just down the hall from the bathrooms near the delicious water fountain. Uh, and watching the brown line go by. Hey, there's Mayor Rahm driving the brown line. Yeah, you know all the gags looking out at the alley. Whoop, there goes a car through the oh, alley. Oh, they're speeding. Slow down. <laughs> it's an alley. And, you know, watching the, 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 the reefer heads and the drug dealers. Sorry and- about that. <laughs> And the uh, like the pizza delivery guys, there's pizza delivery guys always going through this alley and, you know, uh, just going through my alley. It's just a different world. I've been uh, having a blast. You like the attic? Yeah. You kind of like the attic. I've, I've grown to like the attic. I think the uh, the brown line gives us gives it a little charm. I don't know. I'm kind of into it. How about the, the what is that? The outhouse out there in the alley? Did you notice that? Yeah, I smoked pot there. <laughs> By the outhouse? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the porta potty is what it really is. I call it an outhouse. Yeah, uh, smoke pot in there. Roll the doobie. <laughs> Did not know that. Maybe yeah. more information. Than I wore gloves. Knows. Don't worry, guys. All right, I'm really glad to hear that. Anyway, so the world is insane. We're no longer uh, broadcasting from our beloved studio, and of course, we're not uh, broadcasting from our beloved studio because uh, we're in the middle of a shutdown and we're quarantined. And let's say there's a virus out there, a very dangerous virus for which there is no vaccine. Uh, you may have it, even if you don't. Or realize it it's scary because it could be a killer uh, you may be uh, carrying it and you may transmit it to somebody who's old and vulnerable or young and vulnerable and they get it and they die like life ends life is ending for dozens and dozens of people hundreds and hundreds of people every day they tally up the total it's it's kind of a little dismal for me i don't really follow it i talked yesterday what was it, tuesday i was talking about how i was driving in the car listening to classic rock and they were they oh yeah remember that one they now they're com- doing <laughs> politics well they're not yeah i would hardly call a pop they do well the update there were th- 1,000 people dead yesterday but today it's up to 2,000 all right a little foreigner and so <laughs> all right everybody uh, you're listening to foreigner coming up your community calendar we're going to talk about the weather oh also mega here's pink floyd <laughs> no no they're gonna do oh this is for my good friend josh who's been listening to the show lately our house is a very 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 fine house that song sucks from the 70s but um uh they play it all the time I'm just <laughs> rip that song <laughs> no, do you like it do you even know that song yeah i know that song it's yes. okay 
With two cats in the yard? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah, so these are really dangerous times. People are dying. People are carrying the disease. Everyone's afraid. No one wants to be a carrier. No one wants to get, get the disease. Meanwhile, our hospitals are overloaded. There's not enough masks. There's not enough gowns. There's not enough protective equipment. There's not enough ventilators. Uh, we have nurses and doctors and policemen and firefighters and garbage men and grocery store clerks and just tons of other people who are doing necessary work out on the front lines. Everybody's freaking out. Nobody wants to like go to work and die, but they know they have to go to work. Either they need the salaries, either they need the money, either they, uh, because their family has to survive, or these are essential business. People have to go buy their, their groceries. They have to buy the food that they need to eat. We go to the gas station, you gotta buy the gas that you fill your car with. So scary times, people are very vulnerable. And uh, all the doctors, all the experts, everybody who's like studied diseases is saying, this is serious. You got to stay at home, have to wait until the disease, it's not as transmitted. There's the brown line right now. This brown line's moving. Good. People like that, the guy who's driving that brown line, and it's not Rom, I can tell you right now, necessary employees putting their lives on the line. God bless every single one of them. So anyway. That's the crazy time. They're making it even crazier. Uh, we have a freaking lunatic in charge. Yes, indeed. Our president of the United States, Donald John Trump, is really struggling. Donald is having a very difficult time conceding that the virus is real, that the danger is real, that the pandemic is real. And this is why, because it's killing the economy. And by killing the economy and bringing on a potential I don't know, I hate to say it, but depression, it's destroying the narrative that he had, he and his handlers, I should say, had put together to justify reelecting him. And that narrative was that he has somehow or other made this country greater than it ever was before. It's hard to say that when we're in the midst of an economic shutdown, when we're facing depression, when he's so incompetent and so insane that he can't stick to one message for one day without totally deviating the next day. So one day he says the pandemic is real, and the next day he's saying it's not real, and one day he says trust the doctors, and the next says it, he, next day he says don't trust the doctors. In other words, he's sending out mixed messages. He's not the only one who sends out mixed messages, by the way. We take shots at all the politicians sending out mixed messages so we're not just picking on donnie trump mayor of lightfoot of chicago we'll get into her in a little while right Dee? she's been known to send out a mixed message or two but uh, donnie's the worst he's the absolute champion of the mixed message but imagine this is my view i didn't vote for donald trump i can't imagine a universe in which i would vote for donald trump but imagine if you were the opposite of me if you were a maga hat wearer who adored President Trump, who is like one of the people who's buying the mugs. I told you about this, D. The Tea Party is sending you, still not too late to get your Donald John Trump mug. Just send in $9.95, postage included. You know, people are like, they're, they're a real MAGA hat wearer. And then they do the, uh, they'll get the mugs and then they uh, assume that what you're drinking is liberal tears. <laughs> That's what they do. Liberal, liberal tears. I get all. I'm drinking these liberal tears. Ah, shouldn't have broke the law. Yeah, shouldn't have broke the law. Oh, <laughs> hell, shouldn't have broke the law. So for nine ninety five, you get your uh, your MAGA cup, all right? Your Donald John Trump. Donald John Trump. Donald John Trump. Ooh, that's tough to say. Apparently. Uh, <laughs> at your Donald John Trump bug. <laughs> that's tough to say. Anyway, you get that? You buy that? You're a real believer. 
And this is a really tough time for you if you're a real believer because you share the president's rage because you think it's so unfair that his re-election be challenged, that the narrative that he was creating, the narrative that you were repeating is being destroyed. And so you want to think that this pandemic is a hoax. And that brings me to Operation Gridlock which was breaking, as I said earlier, uh, while I was on the show yesterday, and it's now all the news all along the land. Over, what was it, uh, over a 1,000 uh, MAGA hat wearers uh, showed up in uh, capital, uh, Lansing, the capital of Michigan, to protest uh, Governor Gretchen uh, Whitmer, a Democrat. She's a Democratic uh, governor of uh, Michigan, and she has ordered the same, just like Pritzker here in Illinois. Uh, she's saying stay at home. She's uh, If you don't have an essential job, don't go to work. And so the economy is really tanking in Michigan, just like it's tanking in Illinois, just like it's tanking across the country. Uh, and so they're really mad at her for ordering to stay at home. Uh, they think that you have to get out and start the economy going again. They're like freaking nihilists, you know what I mean? They say it's better. I, I actually, I read a couple interviews with them, D. It say it's better uh, to be dead than to kill the economy. And they had this one guy they were interviewing, he was saying he owned a, a business, his family's business, and he said he would rather be dead than to have the business die. And I'm thinking, I'm listening to this guy, I'm trying to break down and find the logic of it. I'm like, dude, if you're dead, the business is dead. There is no business if you're dead. So it's like better that the business die and you live because you can rebuild the business. I'm just trying to, you know, take this guy through the logic of what he's saying. And I understand. My wife has a, a small business. Her business is shut down. We're not making any money. So it's in danger just like all the other small businesses in this country. So I understand the dire consequences of this economic shutdown. Nonetheless, it's like life versus death <laughs> it's kind of bold out there so this notion that somehow or other we got to choose one or the other it's like i said pretty nihilistic and is pretty dedicated to the re-election of donald john trump and it's dedicated to the notion that somehow or other the virus is a hoax that's concocted by democrats who are intended to find anything they can to bring donald john trump down so that's what they say. They want her, they want the governor to open up businesses or start thinking about opening up businesses. I'm watching, I'm thinking, I'm looking. You know, here's the interesting thing. These protesters, there's over a thousand of them, and they're in cars. They're in cars. I'm like, wait a minute. If you think it's a hoax, if you think it's exaggerated, if you think, so what, if a few of us die, if we can open up a business, why are you in a car? I mean, I've more respect for if you get out. You know what I'm saying? Dude? Get, come on, man. Let's get out there. I'll go out. Like all 2,000 of you converge on the steps of the uh, Michigan State House or the Michigan Capitol. Put your arms around each other. You know, if you really believe that it's a hoax, but they're in your car. It's kind of hard. It's like kind of undercuts the whole purpose and the point of your protest if you're in your car. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. It's like Donald Trump is always talking about it being a hoax. But, you know, to get, to get into the White House, you have to take a test. Did you know that, D? You have to, you have to pass the test. They give you a, you see, if you have the coronavirus, they're not letting anybody in. Oh, if it's such a hoax, why don't they, just, why do they even have tests at the White House? Just let anybody in. Let them shake hands with Donald John Trump. Even Joe Rogan. Dennis and I were listening to the Joe Rogan show it's yesterday. It's crazy. It's crazy. 
I'm like, I'm watching this, the Joe Rogan show. We listen to the Joe Rogan show. Oh, no, my lefty friends are mad at me, D, because I listen to the Joe Rogan. I like Rogan, you know. Uh, you know, he's a little whacked out now because he's, like, feeling the Trump. But whatever, you know, I, I, I try to get what I can from Joe, <laughs> Joe Rogan. He's crazy. Uh, yeah, he is crazy. No, not him. Oh. Just the times we're in. Yeah, we are. Dying. We're about to, like, it, it's the, no one's ever seen the time that it's happening right now. And I just think it's crazy that we're just picking sides. I don't know. It's just nuts. Anyway, uh so Joe Rogan's on the show, and then he he drops. You know, I'm like, everybody's in the studio together. I'm like, wow, it's Dennis and I don't have people in the studio. And then it turns out that he has access to a test. He like to come on his show. You have a we, D. We could go back to the studio. If we had a doctor with tests. We imagine imagine that. Uh, Stacy Davis Gates, before you come in the studio, could you take that test, please? Okay, Stacy, usher right in. We'll interview. So it's real, folks. Don't pretend that it's not real. Don't stage this protest where you're afraid to get out of your cars and then pretend like the whole thing is a hoax. I mean, it's a very real, serious crisis we're facing. And yes, absolutely, Dennis pointed this out, I I concede this point, that we have to start at some point thinking about opening up the economy. It's not like governor, the governor of Michigan or the governor of Illinois wants recession. What what, an absurd notion. They want recession. It's just sort of like we're in a danger zone. We got to get through this danger zone. Nobody knows. I was I was a little intrigued. Like, okay, when do we go back to work? Yeah. These these people, you know, like you said, you you called these times both crazy and scary. These people think the same thing. They're freaking out. Yeah. But then I saw all the Trump signs and the AK-47s. Like, uh, okay, you they're, you lost old Dennis. No, they're freaking out, and they're freaking out because they sense what I've been saying, and I sense too that Donald John Trump is going to lose in November. It's, the, it's starting to sink in. We're going to talk about this later in the show, talk about what went down in Wisconsin and how that could be a sign of what's to come. But I get the sense uh, that the other side is starting to freak out too. And I not only realize this by watching uh, the crew of protesters that Dennis is talking about with their AK-47s, with their MAGA hats, with their Confederate flags. Again, those are the, the people that were brave enough to get out of their cars, okay, D? Those are just, I don't know what the other people in the 1500 who were in the cars. <laughs> you know, I uh, really believe that this is a hoax, but just to be on the safe side, I think I'll stay in my car. Let's open up the economy, but I don't wanna be the one who goes, let Joey go and see if he drops. So uh, I, um, I get the feeling that they're starting to sense uh, that they're uh, they're in trouble, and I get the sense the panic. I've told you about this before. The uh, the emails that I get from the Tea Party and Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas, I've started getting them from him and Mitch McConnell and Newt Gingrich, et cetera, et cetera. They're starting to they're starting to hit a different tone. It's def- desperation. The polls aren't good. We could be in trouble. Yeah, it's it's hard to know whether you can believe them because there's so much propaganda out there when it comes to these uh, fundraising appeals. So, you know, it's it's really difficult to determine uh, what's it. Maybe it's just a new strategy they're trying, just messing with your minds. But this has been consistent now for the last couple of weeks, getting the sense that they're feeling mm, we could be in trouble. And uh, so Mitch McConnell is talking less about Donald Trump and more about saving the Senate for himself. Interesting getting ready to throw Donald Trump off the off the, the boat. So anyway, um, it's like I'm saying, uh, Operation Gridlock, I'd have a lot more faith uh, in the protesters and their sincerity and their belief if they would just, you know, 
get out of their cars. We got a great show today, everybody. Yes, indeed. Rose from, uh, from Illinois, Indivisible Illinois will be here. She'll be talking about Wisconsin, what went down in Wisconsin. Uh, Indivisible Illinois. Indivisible Illinois' Rose Colasino? That role, yes. How'd you know? You're so good, man. Uh, and uh, Lenny will be here. What's Lenny's last name, D? Mana Hoppenworth. Yeah, Lenny. You're I, welcome, Ben. I just like calling him Lenny, man. I Lenny know and you Rose. Do. Yeah, who cares? Resistance For Rose. Lenny Rose. <laughs> Titles, Schmeidels. Uh, yes, indeed. And they'll be talking. We'll talk Wisconsin. We're going to be talking about the upcoming election. Rose was actually one of the leaders uh, from Illinois, sending dispatching people to Wisconsin and uh, phone, making phone calls, etc., and so forth. So a lot of good political talk ahead. Before we do any of that, the young man from Alton, the man they call the doctor. Oh, yes, indeed, Doctor Doobie with the news. Not Doctor Doobie. My name's Dennis. But we got to get down to business. <laughs> Let's get right into what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. First up, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. Today, Governor Pritzker will be, yes, at the Thompson Center. Guys, I'm convinced he lives there now. <laughs> he's renting out an office. He's hung up a Steve Miller band poster or whatever boomer-ass band he likes. Eagles. Oh, Eagles. So sorry. So sorry. Uh, but, hey, he's at the Thompson Center, and, yes, he's giving his uber-informative daily COVID-19 press conference. It starts at 2.30. Go check it out and get informed. You know, informed. The opposite of what our president's COVID-19 updates are. Uh, let's unpack what happened during Pritzker's Wednesday COVID-19 update. And hats off to our governor, Ben, because he's been doing a top-notch job, keeping us informed, trying to battle the coronavirus here in Illinois. And, Ben, he's been thinking about both the present and the future of Illinois, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would say. Mm-hmm. He talks about, uh, uh, inter- he, he actually does speak about what we're going to have to do about opening up the economy. Uh, which is, it, it, you're right, D. I don't know. I don't see it being an open full mm, for at least another month. But anyway. And Wednesday, he let us know that he is thinking about Illinois' past as well. Because on Wednesday, J.B. Pritzker reminded all of us that he's no Bruce Rauner. And that, <laughs> hey, all right, we're going to have a budget no matter what. Because you guys remember that? We went like almost three years without a budget. Was it, th- was, it was full three years? Yeah, I remember. Oh, my goodness. Finally, the budget got passed. What was it? I've lost track of time, D. I think it was year 2018. Uh, they fi- Oh, God, we talked about that end- obsessively. It seems like another uh, another lifetime, doesn't it? When they when the when Rauner finally agreed to pass a budget. Yeah. Right. On the, on the verge of his. Uh, Defeat on the eve of his defeat. He let us know of the past and he said, quote, Illinois are all too familiar with the pain the lack of a state budget can cause. So let me just say up front that we will not go without a state budget. Uh, He alluded to the years of fiscal stalemate under former uh, Governor Rauner. He continued and said we will need to make extraordinarily difficult decisions on top of the difficult decisions that we've already made. But together with the state legislator. Legislature, we will make them. Pritzker laid out the numbers saying that he expects a projected $2.7 billion in shortfall in the budget year that ends June 30th and a projected $4.6 billion shortfall the year after that. The governor does expect uh, that to grow to $6.2 billion in short-term loan cost. He says that if graduated income tax doesn't pass in November, the state will be short $7.4 billion dollars yeah that's the fair tax of course that uh governor pritzker has been championing since he, he took office uh, that would raise the rates on the top earners in the state of illinois i've been supporting it forever and um i'm really was pleased that pritzker uh, took the initiative on it and you the voters will get to decide this is we'll be on the ballot in november 
And you, the voters, will get to decide whether we raise it. I was, for a while, I was saying, uh, it needs 60% to pass. I wasn't sure that we'd get that 60%, but everything's just changed by, uh, because of the pandemic. And I think that uh, that might help, actually. Um, when folks take a look at um, how much money, uh, the deficits that we are facing. And again, these are just projections, uh, everybody. Budgets are just project- projections of what the money we anticipate bringing in over the course of the year, course of the year and the money that we expect to spend uh, over the course of the year. And then when it's, when it's all said and done, uh, you come up with an estimated deficit. And so in, what they do is they're really rosy. Uh, <laughs> this is the games, the budget games they play generally. And so they when they have to have a uh, budget, a balanced budget, they make projections that are sort of like, you know, the best, uh, most optimal, uh, like estimations of how much money we're going to bring in. And then as the years rolls on, they go, oh, well, guess what? It wasn't as good as we thought. We're going to have to raise taxes. We're going to make cuts, et cetera. So that's the budget game that goes down. But uh, in this particular case, Steve, because we're in the middle of a pandemic, because so many businesses are closed, people are laid off. So there's, uh, less money coming into the state in form of taxes and more money going out for unemployment and et cetera and so forth. Uh, it's hard to know. It's hard. I, I put it this way. It's hard to know um, if they're going to continue to play those old budget games. I think this is serious stuff. And I think most people will probably get behind uh, that uh, fair tax. If, sure. if nothing else, it's like, oh, well, let make him the rich guy pay for it as opposed to me. So anyway, that's uh, that's the situation that uh, Pritzker's facing. General Assembly members use words like draconian to describe how it will impact Illinois. Bruce Rauner's cuts of 5 to 10% impacted programs that help children, seniors, and the disabled. Back then, Democrats, uh, Democrats fought tooth and nail against the governor. This time, they will have to go along with the cutbacks, possibly 10 to 25 percent. Uh, one House rep said, quote, it's going to be an extremely difficult time to be a state lawmaker. Boy, understatement of the year right there. Huh? Yeah, no, it's really, it's going to be a very difficult time. And just going back to the rounder years, it, which was, as I said, another existence, another lifetime, uh, the compelling argument that, it wasn't that compelling, but the argument that rounder was advancing was that uh, we needed to save Illinois by destroying collective bargaining rights. Uh, he was going after the unions, and so he essentially held the hostage. He held the budget hostage uh, unless the Democrats agreed to his anti-union uh, uh, legislation. They didn't. They, and as a result, uh, there was that stalemate. Three years, you're right, the three years, and then finally, Rauner, on the eve of his uh, re-election campaign decided, eh, you know, let's just hold off on the killing the, the unions for a moment, get a budget passed so that I can go into the um, re-election uh, campaign with by saying I presided over a, uh, a budget, uh, one budget. People of Illinois didn't fall for it, and he was trounced in 2018. So those, those, those are the rounder years. And like I said, it just seems like a uh, another lifetime. Nobody is talking about killing unions at the moment in the state of Illinois. Shout out to Ricky on the live stream chat. He says, J.B. Pritzker is probably a Rush fan. Big Rush. <laughs> uh, you know, he never mentioned that. And, you know, he said he doesn't smoke pot. So, you know, a lot of potheads like Rush. I don't think. Uh, Wait, J- time out. I missed that. J.B. Pritzker said he doesn't smoke pot. Yeah, he's, he said that a few times. Uh, I don't. I don't uh, smoke uh, marijuana. Is that your J.B. Pritzker? That's my, I'm working on my J.B. casual. We got J.B. like when he's yelling, ha! 
I've got a perk. And then JB Casual is, uh, <laughs> you know, I've never, uh, me and MK, we've uh, never I didn't know that. smoked marijuana. We're, you know, we have to thank him for the fact that, uh, that we have a legal uh, reefer in the state of Illinois. I did not know he didn't smoke himself. Uh, Bob Ryder was a huge Rush, Rush fan, right? Wasn't Ryder the one who loved Rush? Oh, my God. Bob Ryder loves Rush. Yeah, and I, I had a confession to make. Uh, Bob Ryder, the, the head of the Chicago Federation of Labor, he used to come on the show back before he got fired. Uh, and he would talk about Rush. He, it was kind of embarrassing because I didn't. But since then, you've gotten a lot better about it. Name one Rush song. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 you see what we do here uh, on the Ben Jarofsky uh, show? Uh, oh, ain't it a beautiful convo? Hey, <laughs> that's C.W. McCall. I, you know what? I for, can't remember any Rush songs. Tom Sawyer, that's one. I don't think 2112, that's one. Uh, wait, is Rush the one with the, the drummer who has one arm? Working man? No, that's Def Leppard. Oh. <laughs> They're the, but they're Canadian, right? Ryder Rush loved, is Canadian. Yeah, yes. Ryder loved Rush. He couldn't believe that I didn't know Rush. And I, you know, I was like, ah, man, I don't know Rush. And he and Dennis used to make fun of me not knowing Rush. I missed Ryder coming on the show. And so, don't worry, I'll still make fun he, of you. He, he, he got the new job as the head of the Federation of Labor, and suddenly he was too important. Oh, man, I'm too busy. Oh, okay. well, that's how we get him on the show. That's how we get an interview with him. Make fun of him. There we uh, go. Ben, I'm too busy to come on the show. Anyway, uh, but he was great guest, man. He'd come on and make fun of me for not knowing who Rush was and talk football and wrestling and all kinds of things. All right, moving on. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Apologies to all the Aries. But if you stay at home now, maybe you can celebrate with the Geminis later. Where's Lori Lightfoot, you're asking? Well, she's visiting, or she may have visited. I don't know. It's like the middle of the day. Uh, She's uh, visiting or visited a new Lakeview Pantry satellite location at Wrigley Field with Cubs owners Tom and Laura Ricketts. Wait, what is it at Wrigley Field she's visiting? A new Lakeview Pantry satellite location at Wrigley Field. So you go to you go to Wrigley Field to get food? Is that what it is? I, I'm not getting it. Whatever. A pantry satellite location. I, I guess she, I don't know what that means. But anyway, I guess she, since she went to White Sox Park last week, now she has to go to Cubs Park. But I'm not feeling the rickets, folks. I'm telling you that. I know we're in a pandemic. I know we're supposed to say nothing but nice people about it, but not feeling the rickets, owners of the Cubs. So, But, you know, Lori's the mayor of the whole city, and so she has to be the mayor of the Cubs. Well, I'm pretty sure it was that Laura Ricketts who made uh, the top 50 uh, powerful women in Chicago list, right? Yes, she was on that list. And yesterday we said, hey, get her off the list. Put Spondellas <laughs> on there. What are you doing? Tina Spondellas, you left her off the list. No, I should, come on. Jeanette Taylor should be on that list. Hit the road, Ricketts. JT, Laureen Targo should be on that list, all right? Rose, who's coming on the show today, she should be on that list, all right? Come on, Chicago Magazine. Hold on, D. We haven't done this one today. Hold on. Chicago Magazine. Here we go. Get that there list ripped go. up and start it all over again. Okay. <laughs> Give us about two more days and the paper bit will be over, guys. Don't worry. All right. I don't know. I really like the, the problem is I may be ripping up important papers. I know. I'm worried about you. I'm trying to look out for you here, dude. All right. Moving on here. Uh, other Chicago news. Chicagoans are indeed helping to flatten the curve of COVID-19 cases 
in the city. This is according to new public health data from Mayor Lori Lightfoot's administration. In the beginning of March, uh, when the new coronavirus started to emerge in the city, cases were starting to double every two days, the data shown. Uh, if that pace kept up with no intervention, city officials estimated that Chicago could have had 1.5 million cases and nearly 50,000 deaths wow. around now. Instead, there's been a sea change in Chicagoans' lives. City Hall shuttered the city's famous lakefront and pleaded with residents to practice social distancing while Governor J.B. Pritz, this is from WBEZ, by the way, uh, while Governor J.B. Pritzker largely closed down restaurants, bars, and schools and enacted a statewide stay-at-home order. The result, there have been 9,666 cases and 347 deaths in Chicago. Cases are now doubling every 12 days instead of every two. Uh, let's see here. We got a quote from Dr. Allison Arwadi. She says, quote, we flattened that curve just over this last month. Uh, Orati, who leads the Chicago Department of Public Health, told reporters that. Uh, it says here still Orati tempered that good news mm. by reiterating that Chicago, hey, we're not pulling to Michigan, all right? <laughs> we still have a ways to go before it's past the worst of the pandemic. All right, let me just clarify what you said pulling a michigan it's not the state of michigan still has uh their stay-at-home order and the protesters are still are still abiding by it d they're not getting out of their cars all right so let's just clarify that uh, open up the economy uh from the safety of my car i'll go to work but i'll go to work in my car all right just gonna clarify that uh yeah no that uh, that's good news um but, you know, D, I get a little nervous uh, when it comes to this virus about these proclamations of victory. Uh, where was it? Japan? I don't even want to bring out bad news about what went down in Japan where, you know, people, they were started like opening things up a little too soon and then there was a relapse of sorts. So let's be a little patient. We'll time to get the economy going again and uh, we'll leave the attic, D, right? We'll return to the studio one day. Although, I, like I said, I think you're kind of enjoying the attic up here, you know? Yeah, I'm not going back. <laughs> You can go there. I'll, I'll have the board here and we'll Zoom. I'll be oh here and we'll Zoom, Zoom you at some times. Oh, if I never hear the word Zoom again, Dr. Airman, oh, let's Zoom. I love Zoom. <laughs> Zoom. Anyway. No, it's good to hear. We've established a nice relationship with Dr. Howard Airman. I love, I've known Dr. Howard Airman. Well, since the other day he said he had a Zoom tattoo. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad there's some positive news. I'll so put it out there. I'm really happy to hear that. So, Our Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot, was the guest on The Daily Show podcast with Trevor Noah. Yeah, that's right. Turns out in the pandemic, I guess you just go to podcast now. Trevor Noah stepping into our world. I wonder if he's in his attic. Uh, no, I've seen the Trevor Noah. Uh, I think he's in his living room. And it's it's obviously his home, his house, I don't know, apartment in New York City. So well, I wonder if he lives by the train. No, definitely not. <laughs> Two trains. Don't forget the Metro. Choo, choo. Uh, and I'm sure he's not looking out on the, uh, that lovely porta potty out there. <laughs> Where Dennis smokes his reefer. Uh, so, no, I, he's, I've seen, the, he's a funny guy. I really like Trevor Noah, big fan of his. But it's, I, th I think he's in his living room, D. I think he's sitting on his sofa, and there's a 
painting behind them. Well, we have a audio from the interview. It's a pretty short interview. We're going to play the whole thing oh, here. We got, we got chunks of it. We're going to play. Uh, before we do that, though, shout out to Beth on the live stream chat. She says the Lakeview Food Pantry has set up at Wrigley Field because there's so much uh, need. That's what I thought. Thank you very much, Beth, for that clarification. Expansion of services. Okay, so in other words, okay, what's the Lake Food, uh, Lakeview Food Pantry? That's 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 a good clarification. Thank you very much. And so, yes, it's good. I should put aside my, what is it, uh, disdain for the Ricketts. And uh, Lori Life did the right thing by going there and um, good cause. So putting aside it, I'm going to be take the, the high road. All right, D? I'm going to be Michelle Obama. I'm taking the high road. Yeah, that'll last about two <laughs> minutes. All right, let's go to our good friend, Radio Doogie. Doogie, what's happening? Hope you're doing okay. Uh, he says, Laura Ricketts is actually the only Democrat in the family. So yeah. anything you'd like to say there? Yes, they got one. <laughs> Big deal. You know, I mean, the, if you give your money to the Cubs, I'm just saying this, folks, and I'm saying this as a person who's loved the Cubs from the moment I discovered baseball. So, you know, I'm not one of those, uh, oh, I only like the White Sox because I'm from Chicago. I got to pick one or the other. I like the Cubs and I like the Sox, all right? So I've rooted for both my whole life and um, equally. Uh, but the, if you give money to the Cubs right now, here's the reality. You're giving money to the Republicans, uh, the Ricketts. The, one of the Ricketts is like a, uh, one of the. I know Frank will know this. I can't remember which Ricketts is uh, like the one of the the heads of the the finance committee for the Republican Party. It's literally giving the money to Donald Trump, and this is the most democratic city in America. One of the most democratic cities in America. So they trot out the one sibling who's a democrat and like the, all the rest of them are republicans the daddy daddy ricketts who made all the money big time republican he he couldn't stand barack obama so i'm sorry d it does it's not enough that the one ricketts sibling they got one they let one be it all right here's how we're gonna do it you get to be the democrat and then that'll fool all the people in chicago and then all the rest of us will be republican sorry it's not good enough for me so i'm through with the ricketts I'm a lifelong Chicago Cub fan, but it's really going to be. And then they, they set up this. Do you know about this, D? The Cubs? Like, so old-time Cub fans who watch the games, like on cable or Channel 9, now you have to have the, subscribe to some special right-wing station. They got, forget, hey. Old-time Cub fans. You! <laughs> yeah, me. And Cap, my good friend Cap, loves the Cubs. Even he is. You know, so, no, the Cubs, man, it's they're too Republican. They're too overtly Republican, and I'm sorry, it's not enough that they allow one sibling to be, well, okay, you get to be the Dem, all right? You're the, the Dem, and she's not even really like a Bernie Democrat, just saying, she's a Dem-Dem, which, no, by the way, we're all in the same boat, okay? A Dem-Dem, not yeah. a Dum-Dum. <laughs> she's a Dem-Dem, a real Dem-Dem. So, <laughs> I don't know, I'm not feeling the rickets. Not feeling them at all. Go Cubs. Okay. Um, <laughs> you're, a, you're a Cardinal fan, by the way. Damn right, buddy. All right. Uh, let's see here. Fred weighed in on the live stream chat. Uh, how's it going, Fred? Hope you're doing okay. Uh, Fred says, I'm newer here. We need a little clarification here, Ben. He says, I'm newer here. Did Ben use Trump's middle name so often before the impeachment trial? And then Johnny Joe weighed in. He had your back here. He said, yep, for sure. In fact, he used it 87 times before <laughs> and 103 after. Well, it's his name. Donald John Trump. Okay. So, you know, it's his name. 
Donald. But it was really hard to say Donald John Trump mugs. Whew, that's a tough one to say. <laughs> yeah, that was tough for you to say. I, Donald gotta, John Trump. All right. Remember what I told you? Uh, you know, you got a radio guy here. You got to flex your articulators before the program. Wait, Make who, sure you know, who you was that that waited? Fred, anything. he's new. Fred is yeah, the new Fred, guy. Fred. Ask Fred. Did I can't remember. I really cannot remember. Fred may be of the older persuasion. Did Jimmy Carter get sworn in as James Carter or Jimmy Carter? I can't remember. Ask Fred. He might know. Well, I think you just asked him. <laughs> you just asked him right there. Uh, yeah. Fred is dead. Oh, that's what I said. Great song by Curtis Mayfield. Go ahead. Oh, Dave. keep no, keep going with that song. <laughs> Fred is dead. Do you know that song? No. Uh, not a great song to sing to a new listener. Oh my to the god! Program. Well, it's not about him. It's, a, well, it's that's his name it's from saying. Superfly. <laughs> Freddie was the dealer. Okay. All right, we got audio here from uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot's interview with Trevor Noah. Like to hear it? Here it goes. Uh, let's begin with uh, Trevor Noah, I believe. Yeah, Lightfoot, welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. I, I stopped it right there because okay. I Ben, I want you to. Uh, Give a guess, because obviously all these interviews are uh, over some version oh, no. of Zoom or something. How do you think the sound quality went with uh, Lori Lightfoot? Give us your prediction. I would say it went really well, because you're talking about, you know, Comedy Central show. It's a, got a lot of big, big budgets. They got a lot of smart people. They, we have Brian, right? We have Bri the one smart guy we always, well, you're smart too, but we have two smart people. Very insulting statement <laughs> you made there. Yeah, no, but we he's got like smart <laughs> people. We got dumb Dennis here. No, I did not say that. But anyway. Hey, kind of did. So I'm sure they got like 10 Brians, you know what I'm saying? So I, I would say the sound quality is we got one Brian. Brian! And one dumb Dennis. No, that's apparently. not true. Let's hear how the sound quality was here. It's my pleasure. I don't feel so bad. That's terrible, man. Are they do they're using Zoom. Trevor, I told you, don't fall for that Zoom thing, okay? Just because Howard Ehrman says to use it doesn't mean it works. One more time, one more time. It's my pleasure. It's, <laughs> it's actually not that bad. Yeah, I know. I've heard worse. Um, Our show. Okay. <laughs> the interview continues. It's my pleasure. Oh, God. Oh, come on. That's terrible, D. <laughs> no, it's not that terrible. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Ben, who's that outside in the alley? Uh, I don't see it. That's hard. <laughs> Damn it, Ben. That's our move to stall. Oh, I, is that what it is? I was like, yeah. oh, I don't see anybody out there. I don't see any. Ben, you didn't get it. Hey, there's the train with Rom in it. How about that? <laughs> there you go. All right. So hang tight with me, listeners. Ben sucks at stalling, so I got to find the next piece Wait, of audio. who's that in the alley? That's a Bruce Springsteen song. Here she comes, here she comes. Kid is back in town. Here she comes down. All right, you got it now? No, I don't. Pinterowski oh. Show, let's go to the live stream chat, and I'll play the rest of this interview. Oh, I'm really dying to hear the interview. Well, Did he ask her about the haircut? We're going to get there. <laughs> Please, for the I love of God. I want to know what she said about the haircut. I'm sure he asked her about that. Fred said, I can't say about Jimmy offhand. Freddy's Dead is a great Mayfield song, though. Thank you. Did he say that? Yeah. He oh, said, God bless you, Fred. so hard to work with today. <laughs> I read the dude's statement. Did he say that? Yeah. You know what? Yeah, I'm with you 100%, Fred. Uh, Freddy's Dead is one of the greatest. So I'm super fly. So if my younger listeners... Just check it out. You'll wait. You'll love it. I, even if you're young, millennial, it's... it's it, the Superfly, the Superfly soundtrack, alas, um, it's as relevant today as it was when it came out in 72, I want to say it was, uh, Curtis, May May Curtis Mayfield from Chicago and um, north side of Chicago, grew up in Cabrini Green. So yeah, great. Uh, uh, that's It's still a great song. And I'm almost positive 
God, where's Frank when I need him? I'm almost positive. Frank, I cannot wait till we get back to the studio. We're going to bring you on on a Friday uh, to help us uh, get, make sure we're correct with our facts and stuff. But um, I'm pretty sure that he said he Jimmy Carter. I think he was sworn in as Jimmy Carter. So Anyway, you got that thing ready to go? <laughs> Still loading up oh, here. For crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, let's go. What was that pre-show prep you were doing, huh? I just got a text from, uh, God bless you, Frank, is listening. Pete Ricketts, one of the brothers, is the governor of Nebraska. You are correct. You are absolutely correct. How can I forget that? Uh, Nebraska. And, uh, yeah, so, so much gerrymandering going into the state of Nebraska. So, again... You know, and the other Governor Frank, uh, excuse me, the other Ricketts is a fund. I think it's Todd is the, the fundraiser for the Republican Party. So you give your money to the Ricketts. I know they got the one Dem in there. I, I understand that. They always throw her up. Ugh, she's a Democrat. But by and large, the Republicans. Daddy, the, Daddy Joe, who made all the money, he's a hardcore Republican. And he has said uh, so many insulting things down through the years. Uh, and, you know, the Ricketts are in a democratic city, a diverse city, all kinds of different people city. You know, they're honoring the stay at home. You don't see anybody in Chicago in their cars doing Operation Gridlock. You know, nobody nutty like that in the city of Chicago. And uh, so it just I don't know. It just it just rubs me the wrong way that the Ricketts family, by and large, are so out of tune where the people of the city that they live in are. I think it's kind of disrespectful in many ways. You know, people always say to Democrats, we well, got to respect Trump voters. You just can't malign them. Leave your bubble and come to respect them. Well, why don't the Republicans feel compelled to do that? So it's not enough for me that they put the one lady out there. She's the Dem. She's the Dem, Ben. They got one Democrat. Nah, doesn't work for me. You're right. Thank you, Frank. Yeah, Pete Ricketts, governor of Nebraska. Now that's how you stall, buddy. <laughs> I didn't even nice. know I was stalling. I just went on a riff. That's what I'm talking about. All right, we have the rest of the interview. Hang okay, tight I did not me. know I was stalling. You, that was a great job. I'm, I'm very impressed. Go ahead. The coronavirus, as we've seen, is having a disproportionate impact on communities of color. African-Americans are dying at higher rates. I think 70% of the people who have died in your area are black, whereas only 29% of the population is black. What have you been looking at and, and why do you think it's so important to look at, this, look at this through the prism of race? Well, one, we have to understand the full magnitude of the impact on this virus in our city. So as we started to see these numbers, we took a couple of steps. Number one, we mandated that all providers who are doing testing provide demographic information. We were seeing about a quarter of the providers telling us that they were testing, telling us the test results, but not including the race and that ethnicity uh, um, um, information, which we knew was uh, critically important. The other thing that we've done is made sure that we are reaching out to these communities. We're looking at the areas where there's the highest concentration of deaths, highest concentration of infections, um, and we formed a racial equity rapid response team right away. That is taking a model of kind of community-based medicine that has been effective in a particular area of the city, and then expanding that model to include uh, public health folks, people on the ground, uh, in neighborhoods, everything from the pastors to the block clubs. Uh, we've got street intervention workers who normally are working on stopping violence, 
We've now enlisted them uh, in this effort and really trying to be as hyper local as we can. We know that um, while we're a city of neighborhoods, each of them is unique in its own ways and they have their strengths and they have their challenges. So we've been learning even more about the nuances uh, of neighborhoods, particularly when you're talking about black and brown neighborhoods and so what supports they need to be able to bring people into the healthcare system, educate mm -hmm. about the virus and bringing people help um, is what we've really been about. Oh my God, goodness. Uh, you know, uh, Trevor Noah, I would recommend if you uh, really want a good answer to the question you ask, you bring on Crystal Cash. She was on the show on Tuesday. Uh, you'll get a great answer. You get someone uh, like Crystal Cash, who's been a doctor in the city of Chicago, has been dealing with these issues in inequity for years and years. The reason why uh, there's this tr tremendous imbalance between black deaths and white deaths is because of all the inequities that have existed in the city of Chicago for years way before Lori Lightfoot got here. So I cannot blame Lori Lightfoot. I'm not in any way blaming Lori Lightfoot uh, for the inequities that have existed in Chicago. And the reality is that the people who ran the city didn't really care about them. I mean, it's pretty clear that the people who ran the city of Chicago uh, in for the last 20 years, dealing with the inequities that divide this city was not at the top of their list. We talked about this so many times. Uh, we've been talking about this for the last uh, three years. I've been on this, doing this uh, radio stuff, this talking on a microphone. And before that, in the co my columns in the reader, the way the city divvies up its money, the way it spends its disposable money, its TIF money, which is essentially the, the, the largest chunk of disposable money they have, is in uh, gentrifying areas and they do not spend it in poor areas. And they close clinics, they close hospitals, they close schools. Uh, they've watched while the neighborhoods have fallen apart. And so when we have a, a disease, when we're hit by a virus like we are right now, we're in the middle of a pandemic, all these inequities are exacerbated. So the real answer to the question is, is like, why, why are we seeing these tremendous imbalances? It's like 100 years of history in the city of Chicago. And the same thing happened, Crystal Cash was talking about it in 1995 during the heat wave, when uh, it was a terrible heat wave in the summer of 95 for about two weeks, I want to say. And uh, the death rates were so much higher in poor black neighborhoods than they were in the rest of the city. It was like an eye-opening experience, but that heat wave passed. And then, of course, we just went back to business and ignored things. So that's the real answer to the question. I urge Trevor Noah to bring on Crystal. Wouldn't that be great if Crystal Cash was on the Trevor Noah show, D? By the way, you can go check out that interview, uh, the Bendrovsky Show, both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. And wherever else you download your favorite podcast, it's up there. It was Tuesday's show. Just look for uh, the Tuesday program we did. It'll say Crystal Cash on there. Mm -hmm. Go listen to that. Trevor Noah had Mayor Lightfoot on his podcast. And the next question that came up, well, it was about this little fun series of PSAs. Just stay home. Save lives. Yes. Turns out Trevor Noah was a big fan. You've been about that in, in more ways than most leaders have because you, were, you started actually driving around, telling people, literally telling people to get back into their houses, to go back home when people weren't taking it seriously. This was on the ground mayoral work. And um, some of the PSAs that you started releasing were some of the funniest that I didn't, I didn't think were real until I realized they actually came from you. One of my favorites was telling all the kids who are still going out to play basketball, your jump shot is not gonna improve, stay home. 
Why did you feel it was so important to get involved personally? And, and why did you use humor to try and get your message across as well? Well, I mean, humor is kind of the unifying thing, right? Um, and in this really um, dark time, uh, we found that, and really this came up organically from other people. There's a bunch of memes that, that started once I uh, closed the lakefront down. Um, and just building upon people's desire for content. You know, this is a time when we would be heavily involved in sports and music and all of that has been taken from us by um, really trying to curb the spread of this virus. Mm -hmm. So giving people hope and using humor, um, it's a great way to kind of break through the noise and reach people. That's, that I just think it's important for the mayor, not to just be um, seen behind the TV screen, but to mm -hmm. be out in the community safely, of course, um, but to be present. Well, I got to tell you, I've never been so happy to hear quality <laughs> audio crap out doing the show from the attic. Like, come on, go bad. <laughs> it sounds too good. Uh, I got to tell you, D, I, I know it's really terrible to make this confession, but I'm like, come on, just just fail. Audio. Yeah, so we know we're not the only one. Because, like, guys, I got to tell you this. We do, we do a lot of interviews now. Or, 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 this is called Breaking the Fourth Wall. Isn't it what you Break that wall, buddy. So, you know, I'm sitting here. I do these interviews over the phone, and some are better than others, and various quality, you know, depending on the whatever device we're using, whatever. Uh, and that Zoom's the absolute worst, by the way, everybody. Uh, so... Yeah, I feel so bad about it. And then I just, when I see, like, the big-time show struggling with it, you know, whew, I don't feel so bad. Come on, break down, I break know. down. Be worse. <laughs> Be worse. If they're, like, real, if they start out real good, like, oh, no, come no, on. Come on now. Yeah, let's go. I'm giving it about two minutes until this thing craps <laughs> No, out. it does. And there's that moment where she's going, and, yeah, we believe in humor is really important, Trevor, because, and that's why we go down to the lakefront. And Trevor Noah's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. He's in the same boat the rest of us are in. Okay, I'm just going to ignore the fact that three seconds of that thing just went right out the window i don't so yeah she's uh it's good to see we're all in the same boat it's got a big lake in it all right but that's it we're all together d right we're all together yeah so anyway back to uh lori life yeah i like we gave her a shout out for those psas well, didn't yeah we? yeah and we kind of you know noticed that uh some of those were ben jaromsky <laughs> yeah trevor you didn't ask her oh, i heard it's my trevor no like that one we just played her playing awful singing hey we that's our market <laughs> we do awful singing and make it funny damn it i know she stole half of those things from us i'm just saying i'm throwing it out there that basketball one oh my goodness uh, but whatever, I give her a lot of credit for those. Those were funny. And, you know, but uh, we also, every now and then, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot's been known to send out a mixed message. Train just roared by, by the way. They can hear it. Uh, <laughs> that thing was so loud, Trevor Noah heard it. Uh, so every now, every now and then she's been, it's just telling you this something, Trevor. You're in New York. We're here in Chicago. It's not as great as you think it is, okay? Every now and then a mixed message gets out there. You know, no one's perfect, Trevor. No one's perfect, but. Every now and then, uh-oh, Lori left the script. Just saying. <laughs> That's our market, Lori. Poor singing. No one sings worse than Ben. <laughs> no. I think Lori Lightfoot's right there with me. I'm going to do a duet with Lori Lightfoot. Come on, we're going to do Come on and join our Yeah, you can uh, duet by yourself. I'm not in getting involved in that. And the uh, dramatic conclusion of Trevor Noah's interview with our Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. One, one of the policies you've implemented in Chicago um, uh, truly stood out for me. 
And it was highlighted by an issue that I think a lot of people overlook during this time. And that is people who are trapped indoors or in houses or in any type of abode with family members who may be abusive, specifically women. We've seen domestic um, abuse rates skyrockets all over the world. And you, you've launched an interesting initiative, you know, um, Lyft and Uber are helping in this. Um, what are you doing and why did you feel that you had to do it in the way that you did? Well, look, we know that domestic violence is a problem in the best of times, and we were concerned about seeing an uptick. So what we did in, in combination with Uber and Lyft was um, uh, train the um, hotline workers where people are calling because they want to get out of a, a dangerous or troubling family circumstance to give them a special code that they can use to order a Lyft or an Uber to take them anywhere to safety. Um, it's a it's a very simple and straightforward thing, but we thought that that was really important. We didn't want the absence of a ride to be a reason why somebody felt compelled to stay in a dangerous um, domestic situation. Great idea. We should continue it after the pandemic. Isn't that a, don't you think? Yeah, let's try it. I mean, I, you know, it's a great idea. So congratulations, Lori Lightfoot, uh, for thinking of that or whoever thought of it and, and Congratulations to for to green lighting it if you didn't think of it, Lori Life. But uh, but we why just limit it to a pandemic? Sounds like a, I remember. Oh God, just a memory. Many many years ago, uh, was which I remember. I was um, all my memories are linked to Bulls games. Anyway, I was watching. Uh, it was in the middle of the why Bulls. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> Ron in '91, and um, the kids who lived uh, not far from me came knocking on the door. They're I'm sure they're grown by now, uh, and they were crying. Oh, I, I know they're grown by now. This is 1991, and they they were crying. And it turns out the the father was beating up the mother, and uh, so they were asking me to intervene. And uh, I drove the mom to uh, a hospital. She was bleeding from the eye. Uh, and um, I remember the police officer at the hospital telling me, don't ever do that again. You made a mistake. And it was just this advice to me. Don't ever do that again because, you know, she could turn against you. And this is, this is, um, this is a, he was giving me what he thought was pragmatic sound advice. And I was like, struggling with this. I mean, the, the lady was bleeding from the eye. Um, so, Listen, it's it's a serious problem, as Lori Lightfoot said, even without a pandemic. So these are all the kinds of things like, uh, now here I'm going. <laughs> you know, we, we want to say nothing but nice things about Lori Lightfoot. But uh, it was, what was it just November it was, D? Was it, was that was in the teacher strike? The teacher yep. had to go on strike to yep. get more nurses hired? And so let's just not forget that, like, this struggle continues during non-pandemic no, after those commercials, time. I forgot all about that. Oh, yeah, right. Those I commercials just, are awesome. I love Lori. Long gone from my memory. I love you. <laughs> you love. I know it's a pandemic. We're feeling really good about our leaders right now. A lot of us are feeling good about our leaders. Now, maybe Operation Gridlock. People aren't feeling good about their leaders. But uh, in the, on the local level, feeling pretty good about our leaders. We're all in this together. But, you know, there was... Time before the pandemic when our leaders weren't doing such a great job of leading and we could have used some nurses in the public schools. And so I'm just saying, you know, when Trevor Noah asked that question about social inequities that, well, he didn't put it that way, but when he asked the question about the disparity in the black and white death rates and we leave out the whole history of social inequities, maybe when we return to quote unquote normal, when we leave the attic of our lives, using that as a metaphor, and go back to the workplace, 
we can start thinking about how we might divvy up the pie in a fair, uh, socially relevant way so that we're not exacerbating all the problems that exist. And one thing we could do is just continue that program uh, that uh, Lori Lightfoot just talked about. So. So there you are, the latest interview with Mayor Lori Lightfoot and Trevor Noah. If you've listened to our program after Mayor Lori Lightfoot got elected, you already know this. The closest we will ever come to having Lori Lightfoot on our program. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll have to live off of that one. You know what? Lori Lightfoot's on the Trevor Noah show. Let's listen. You know, sure. Uh, ben, I'll come in your attic. <laughs> like never. <laughs> All right. We're going to keep you posted on those stories as today's program rolls along. If you're on the live stream chat, feel free to weigh in. Oh, hey, Fred. Fred is new to the show, and I think he's having a good old time here. Uh, he weighed in again. Uh, let's keep Fred listening and read more of his comments. Fred says, de Blasio gives a fair amount of mixed messages as well. Oh, my goodness. He sure does. De Bl- Don't get me started on de Blasio. I could go on and on about the Blasio. You know, I have this mini obsession with New York. <laughs> I follow their politics, too. I don't really get a chance to talk about New York politics that much because obviously we're here in Chicago. But, yes, you're absolutely correct. Oh, listen, it's really hard not to give a mixed message when you're an elected official, particularly at the start of the the pandemic. And Lori Lightfoot was given tons of mixed messages because nobody really knew back in like February, January, mayors, they didn't know how serious this was. They weren't getting strong messages, of course, from the White House. Uh, they just kind of wanted, everybody was in a bit of denial. And um, so as we got more and more serious, people got, the elected officials got uh, more and more serious about uh, what we should all do. But de, de Blasio, the same way. And now he's, you know, trying to, outdo Cuomo they got their own insane rivalry going on in New York uh Governor Andrew Cuomo and uh Mayor Bill de Blasio and if you recall Fred Bill de Blasio spent was the summer and wasn't he still running for president no when did he drop out D de Blasio during the debates trying to interrupt people ah the good old days when de Blasio was our friend KMA Barry uh brought this up on the live stream chat let's just get this out in the open right now all right let's just nip this at the bud finally KMA Barry says I think Ben is still salty about Lori bumping him as the last guest on the Kenny D show (laughs) let's get this out in the open right now huh what a memory we got to get Ken Davis on. Oh, really that is do. a great memory. Really that is really excellent. And let me just say, uh, Kenny D, our good friend. Uh, he, he, <laughs> I hope you're listening, Kenny. Uh, he, called me, he calls me up because, uh, Ben, I, you're the best guy I could possibly have to close on my show. I'm on cable access for years. He had that great show, the Kenny Davis show. And you're the best guy he could get. Ah, oh, thanks, man. And then all of a sudden, Lori Lightfoot, it turns out he had reached out to her first. She said no. Then she said yes. I suddenly wasn't the best guy. <laughs> Good man. I'd forgotten that one. We got to get Kenny Davis back, get his thoughts on the world. Kenny is like one of those, a few guys in the media who really know science. You know, he really, you know, like a smart guy. Oh, the, he's one of the those opposite really- <laughs> of us. A smart guy. Not that good in science, ladies and gentlemen. I'll just be honest with you. Those God bless the science teachers at Evanston High School. They go, so God bless social promotion. It's the only way I got out of high school. You know, Ben, uh, we're tired of looking at you. We'll give you a passing grade in chemistry. Just go. Anyway, but Ken Davis really knows his science, so bring him on.
All right, everybody. Hey, Fred, thanks for weighing in. Join Fred, everybody, and join the Bendrovsky Show live stream chat. Don't be scared. Uh, weigh in with a comment. Don't curse, and we'll more than likely read your comment. Uh, don't go anywhere, everybody. We got much more show to go here. We got our good friend, Lenny Mana Hoppenworth, joining us, and she's bringing on Rose Colasino. So don't go anywhere. It's the Bendrovsky Show. Yes, we are live. From Ben's attic. Oh, I hear the brown line. Let's open the window and really let this brown line rip. Give people an idea of what we're working with here. Windows open. Listen to this thing. Yeah! <laughs> oh, there's two of them. Oh, two. And someone just went into the port of Double brown line. <laughs> Lots going on in the attic. Yeah, you won't hear that on Trevor Noah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Noah, you won't. All right, let me shut the window here. I got a million of them. (laughs) (laughs) All right, it's the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from Ben's house. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan.
Our studio audience, yeah. where the hell you been for the last year? Yeah. <laughs> All right, it's the Ben Jarofsky Show. We're back here, and you know, I know we're no Trevor Noah podcast, but we just got to reach out to our guests live. So this is kind of the way we operate here. Oh, I love that sound. Oh, He's yeah. easy to please, ladies oh, and gentlemen. Man, give me, oh yeah, it's, it's like reefer back in the day. It's <laughs> nothing like smoking marijuana. <laughs> All right, Uh-oh. and we wait. You're waiting. This the is always the part. Builds. Always the part where they. Guys. I think this is where we get our most listens on YouTube. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, Trevor Noah, eat your heart out, huh? You don't have stuff like this. <laughs> waiting for Lenny and Rose. <laughs> Anytime, Lenny. Uh, want me to call her on my phone? Lenny, where are you? <laughs> we may have to play a song. Hold on. Oh, here we go. Oh. Rose? Hello. All right, Hi. Rose. What up, Rose? I'm here. All right. Sorry for the delay. Oh, yeah, that's okay. That's no Is Lenny here? Lenny. Where, where's Lenny? All right, I'm going to reach Lenny. out to Lenny. I'm going to be reaching out to Lenny here. Let's go ahead and talk to Rose. All right, Rose, it. we're going to talk to Rose. Uh, Indivisible, Illinois, correct, Very Rose? Very good. Yeah, I didn't want to get the wrong one. That They're... is us. Explain to people just like the different Indivisible chapters uh there's like five i've had so many different indivisible people on since the resistance began uh, what are the different chapters oh there are um so many let me just back up uh, a little bit so um indivisible started after 2016 and um, started by two brilliant congressional aides and uh, they threw out a uh, white paper and that white paper just went viral to say the least and from that, um, at least at the time, there were 6,000 groups that were established. And right now, I understand, and Lenny might correct me on this, that uh, there's at least two in every congressional district. So we're talking about uh, possibly 36 groups. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's a young grassroots movement. But I think we've taken uh, the state, if not the swing states, too, by storm. All right, let's uh, break down what happened in Wisconsin. And uh, Rose and I have been talking about this. I, before you came on, Rose, I was uh, singing your praise, talking about you're one of the um, people that uh, an obsessive political geek, and I say that with all due respect, uh, just like me. Just I love, wear it with pride. Yeah. Wear it with pride. Uh, and uh, we, we had talked about Wisconsin and the importance of Wisconsin before the election uh, on Tuesday. When word broke, I called Rose. It wasn't on the air. I just called her up. I was so happy uh, when, Joe, when the word broke that Joe Karofsky defeated Danny Kelly, uh, Donald Trump's judge. And before, and in and, and the aftermath, Rose, Republicans have been going around saying, well, you know, it's not that important. Donald Trump's name was on the, it was more important to Democrats than to us. I just want to read something, a a quote from Donald Trump, president of the United States. Uh, This was before the election. And this is what he said, uh, Rose. In Wisconsin, what happened is I, 
through social media, put out a very strong endorsement of a Republican conservative judge who's an excellent, brilliant judge. And I hear what happened is his poll numbers went through the roof, uh, Trump explained. And that judge, of course, is Daniel Kelly, who was uh, running the right wing conservative. He was running with uh, Donald Trump's uh, backing and he got clobbered in the election. Joe Karofsky beat him. What was the margin, uh, Rose, by 53% did she get? Yeah, I do have that up because I figured you would be asking me that. Yes. Um, I think she was, there it is. Uh, Judge Jill, soon to be Justice Jill Karofsky, was 55.3%. Wow. Daniel Kelly, a pitiful uh, 44.7%. And that's with massive voting suppression by the uh, GOP Republicans. Yeah. All right. Now, so. And the RNC, too. Yes. Uh, I believe Lenny has joined us. She's here. All right, Lenny, we're in the middle of the conversation. You're a little late joining the conversation. Uh, there you go. I see you there. Uh, I'm talking to Rose and Lenny. But Lenny, before we bring on, I'm going to finish up with uh, Rose. Uh, th- this is the question I had for her. So, all right. So, so set the stage of uh, the challenge that uh, you were facing uh, in Wisconsin there, it was a primary, it was a Democratic primary, but there was also a special election uh, to fill out this, the last two years, I think it was, or the last several years of a term, of Supreme Court justice term. So what were some of the um, challenges that Democrats were facing in this election? Yeah, I'm going to take it back even further. I'm going to go back to uh, 2019, and uh, some of us from Indivisible did campaign for uh, Judge Neubauer, and um, she lost. She lost by only 6,000 votes, and um, that was despite her having all the recommendations, the funding, the uh, massive levels of support. But um, what happened is that the um, Wisconsin GOP came in at the last hour. They used the, uh, the abortion issue, as they call it, and um, stole the race from uh, Judge Neubauer. So that, that hurt, and I think that actually helped as we uh, started fighting for Judge Jill uh, Karofsky. Now, she didn't become our candidate until February. We didn't really have as much time as we did for uh, Judge Neubauer. But, um, yeah, despite um, massive efforts of uh, voter suppression, um, we fought hard for Judge Jill. We were on um, uh, a canvassing campaign, and obviously that couldn't continue. We were set up to canvass on, uh, I think it was uh, March 21st, March 28th, April 4th, April 7th, and that all went kaput. And um, I really have to give credit to where credit is due. And that's with the Wisconsin Democrats under the leadership of Ben Wickler, the chair, he's done an amazing job. And they were able to, uh, they were able to pivot and they were able to pivot quickly. We then just started bombarding uh, voters with a phone call. And um, I think it worked because people are now captive in their homes, whereas folks might not have um, answered the phone in the past, they were answering the phone now. I um, actually, I say this all the time, I consider myself an introvert, but um, I knocked on doors. wasn't that hard. I actually prefer to knock on doors. And um, phone calling was not a problem for me, even though that was not one of my favorite things to do. Um, We made uh, a large number of calls. There were texting programs, and not only from groups like um, Indivisible, but uh, groups like Swing Left, Sister District Project. It really, Ben, you know this probably better than anybody. We, we have to unify, and when we unify, we win. And I'm, I'm still in shock, and I, I'm in shock that you called me to tell me. Um, <laughs> and that's amazing. And, you know, it's just been so many downs. And to have 
just so few ops, you know, the wins in 2018, the Marie Newman win, and now this. I am overjoyed. I'm encouraged. And um, let's just celebrate for a moment because there actually is another race coming up on uh, March, I'm sorry, on uh, May the 12th for um, her name, a young woman by the name of Tricia Zunker. And uh, we feel that the uh, Wisconsin GOP will use, even though it didn't work, they'll use the same uh, playbook again. So we have to be, we have to be ready. What, now, what uh, race is that in May, on May 12th? What's that for? This, this is special, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't delved that deeply into it, but it's a CD7, Congressional District 7 for, again, Tricia Zunker, Z-U-N-K-E-R. Send support, send money. Uh, we have to, uh, we, we made one win, but uh, I think as uh, Ben Wickler said, that's uh, part one of a five-part strategy. So much more to do. Now, Rose, uh, let's go back even before 2019. And I talked to you about this on Tuesday. Uh, I've been following Wisconsin for a while. And this is my uh, interpretation of where the Democrats fell down in Wisconsin. And it goes back to 2008. Barack Obama was victorious. The Democrats held the House and the Senate. And there was a sense of complacency that overcame the Democratic Party. They went to sleep. And in 2010, in the state of Wisconsin, uh, Scott Walker was elected governor. And uh, he then, uh, and the Republicans took, took the House and the Senate in Wisconsin. So it was a total sweep. As soon as they had the House and the Senate, what did they do? They gerrymandered the hell out of the districts so that they could preserve their uh, control of the state, even if voters were voting Democrat. And then they uh, passed laws that undercut um, the unions, cut the public workers unions off at the knees to destroy uh, one of the leading sources of support that the Democrats had. And that solidified the Republican control of Wisconsin led to the Republican and I think contributed to Donald John Trump's victory in 2016 in Wisconsin over Hillary Clinton, which of course helped him get the electoral uh, edge he needed to become president uh, and uh, has have let, helped lead to where we are today. But I think when I go back to it, when I trace it, it's the way the Democrats went to sleep in 2010 or in 29 after Obama's victory that was so detrimental to the Democrats and such an advantage to the Republicans. Do you agree with my analysis on that? Oh, most uh, definitely. And um, yeah, I've been following the, uh, the redistricting that occurred. So uh, yeah, absolutely. So Scott Walker and uh, his counterparts, they, uh, took advantage of uh, where they were. And uh, I remember Daniel Biss telling us during our presentation that at the time of Obama, they were bringing in busloads of people um, from Illinois and elsewhere to campaign in Wisconsin. And that just, that just for some reason, we did all become um, complacent and uh, didn't move forward and, and continue that. But um, yeah, they did uh, an evil genius uh, effort at uh, redistricting. And uh, what happened is that um, the Republicans received less votes, but they received more seats. Um, yeah, so that was absolutely amazing. And, and that's actually how I, um, it was anger that spurred me here. And uh, around that time, some of you might have been nerdy like me. I watched the, uh, some of the state house hearings in Wisconsin, and I was so thrilled because um, we started doing this work in 2018. 
and we had can- campaigns for uh, Governor Evers, and um, I just adored Lieutenant uh, Mandela, Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes, and um, we were so disappointed to see our uh, hard work was uh, being fought out with this um, state house that was trying to usurp the power, the um, the power of the governor that the voters had elected. And so um, that's when I first uh, made notice of Ben Wickler, because at the time he was executive director of Move On, and he was uh, testifying these, uh, this testimony from different people went on, of course, all hours the dark of the night. And uh, it was a little similar to what happened with Judge Dill. It was a lot of back and forth. But I think Governor Evers was able to uphold um, some of his power, at least. And, um, you know, and then that brings us to this, this fight now for Judge Joe, where they used, again, the uh, voter suppression playbook. And, um, you know, I, I actually had the opportunity to, and the honor, really, to be on uh, the hotline in Wisconsin. So um, I was on the line with these uh, hero voters who um, did everything right. Um, they requested their absentee ballots as they were supposed to. They saw that their ballots, they have a tracking, really good actually tracking mechanism, better than in Illinois, I have to say. Um, they saw that the ballot was mailed to them, and then they never received it. So um, I was the person, I had the last shift on um, April 7th on Election Day, and I was the person saying, yeah, if you can't get it postmarked and you did not receive your absentee ballot, your only choice is to go to the polls. And, and I have to give full credit again to um, the managers of the uh, hotline because uh, we were not encouraging people to go and vote. We told them that what is of utmost importance to us is that um, you maintain your health. But uh, we had some people say, essentially, no, we are going to go and vote. And I think I mentioned to you earlier, but um, the targeting of this, this master evil plan was ridiculous. So, uh, for example, Milwaukee, big surprise, they targeted Milwaukee. And um, usually 180 polling places went to five polling places. And uh, what's interesting, I followed as much as I could, and uh, I just recall these interviews with folks standing in line, you know, I can envision with their masks and their gloves and everything, and um, saying, we, we understand what's happening. We understand that we're being targeted by the, uh, the State House, the Wisconsin uh, Republicans, and uh, we're going to vote. This, this is my constitutional right, and I'm here in line to vote. And some of them waited hours. We've got amazing photos of them waiting in um, long lines, two, three hours uh, in the rain with umbrellas and their whole year. And uh, yeah, ridiculous. Uh, and also at stake uh, in Wisconsin, uh, the status of, I think it's 200,000. There's 200,000 voters that uh, have been removed from the rolls. And that's a contested issue that's before the state Supreme Court. Uh, so I don't think those voters got to vote in this last election. So, you know, I always joke, uh, dark humor, uh, Rose, that it's it's hard to lose an election if, if you're a Republican, by if you knock off uh, all the Democratic voters. So you, you only let Republicans vote, which is was their playbook in Wisconsin. So these voters are still, uh, this issue of these, uh, the, the eligibility of these voters is still an issue before the Supreme Court. And the Republicans, even with Joe Karofsky's election, still hold uh, the majority on the court, four to three. So the Democrats may still be have a disadvantage coming in to November uh, with the 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 Biden Trump race, correct? Yeah, that's 
absolutely correct. So um, the balance of the court with a judge, if you again, judge Justice Jill on will be uh, four to three. And yeah, this uh, issue has been going uh, back and forth. It's a little over, I think it's around 234,000 voters were uh, purged. But um, I'm looking on the bright side with uh, Justice Kellyan. Um, it would have been a, a worse scenario. And um, I have heard, and this is just from my memory, and there's a lot of uh, things going on right now that one of the conservative justices might be on the line. And um, I, I think, again, the people have to speak. We have to um, voice our opinion. And I don't know, I haven't called the Illinois Supreme Court much, but uh, I think we let we need to let our um, our justices know, our representatives know how we feel. And I'm hoping that they feel um, some pressure. Um, I'm sure some of you saw the uh, the uh, photos of um, leader um, uh, Fox, 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 Robin Fox, um, VOS, sorry. And um, he uh, is one of the leaders, I think, of the, uh, the assembly for the Wisconsin Democrats. And uh, he uh, gallantly was a, uh, a poll worker. And uh, there was a clip of him. It's, uh, I'm sure it went viral now, but um, it had him in full uh, gear that probably our nurses and doctors should have the, uh, you know, the mask and the gown and the gloves telling the Wisconsin voters perfectly safe. And uh, it was funny because folks were saying, well, he was in a, a safer area. Come to Milwaukee, become a uh, poll worker in Milwaukee. He didn't take them up on that. Uh, and our talk about the importance of vote by mail. Uh, this probably be one of the leading initiatives going uh, for the next few months, Rose. Uh, Democrats are starting to come upon, uh, use this as an issue, an important issue. Uh, we, I don't know how long this pandemic uh, will exist. I don't know how long we're going to have uh, stay-at-home orders. I do know that the, they po- pushed back the, the Democratic convention from July to August. So I don't even know if we're going to have a real convention. or we, it's so much uncertainty. So... Vote by mail becomes more and more of a reality in terms of November's election. So talk about this initiative. Yeah, thanks for giving me the opportunity to do so. So since, um, I like backing off a lot, don't I? So since uh, 2018, I've had um, three major uh, areas of focus. Number one is winning races, winning races in Illinois and swing states. Number two, uh, election security, and number um, three, disinformation. And I have something to say about uh, fighting disinformation that has to do with Trump um, in uh, in a moment. But um, yeah, all all three areas are are critically critically important. And uh, election security, I've been touting. If you just forgive me for a moment, for um, years now, I've been touting the gold standard. And this doesn't isn't just me, um, indivisible person. This is a cybersecurity expert. This is voting institutions. And um, what they are telling us that we need is better audits all across the country. And um, we need to save the machines for people with disabilities. And we need to push people voting on paper and not just paper, hand-marked paper ballots. So what I, at the time, was proposing is that people, um, especially in Illinois, vote on election day because most places, if you vote early, except Lake County, you can't uh, vote on hand-marked paper ballots. Well, my whole master plan went kapoof because of uh, this pandemic. So um, let me tell you what I've heard, and I'm not a scientist, I'm not a medical expert, but what I have heard from uh, Dr. Fauci and um, other people that I respect is that there will be a lull in the virus, perhaps uh, in the summer, but it very well will come back in the fall. If that's the case, 
we need to prepare for vote by mail now. We need to prepare like there's no tomorrow. We need to prepare in Illinois, and we also need to prepare from across the country. Um, allow our friends in uh, Wisconsin, allow us to honor them. We cannot allow that to happen again. And uh, this isn't my quote. This is from the Brennan Center, but uh, there can't be 50 Wisconsin's. So um, we need to start yesterday. Um, we need to develop uh, legislation in Illinois, and we need to push that hard. And it can't just be individual. It has to be um, a number of grassroots groups. And uh, also, there has to be a federal pitch. And uh, just so happens that tomorrow, Friday, April the 17th, is a, uh, a day of action to call um, our federal representatives. Uh, Senator Durbin, Senator Duckworth, I know it's hard to call them. Try anyway, email. Um, I've spoken to my own congressman, Mike Quigley, and um, there's 150 organizations that are going to be calling. Ben, if you call alone, that's important, but tomorrow there's going to be 150 different organizations saying, no, we will not tolerate voter suppression. Uh, our right to vote is constitutionally guaranteed. We're going to fight for it. And uh, what we're demanding right now is that a ballot, not an application, that's what I managed on the hotline, and it was a nightmare. That's how you gum up the process. Um, and in some ways, again, Wisconsin does it better than we do in Illinois, believe it or not. But um, we have to get ballots in the hands of our voters. And again, this isn't just me. This is the very respected and esteemed Stacey Abrams. And this is uh, Elizabeth Warren, who's put together, I know everybody's really surprised, but uh, an incredibly brilliant plan on election security. I talk about the difference. You said not just an application, but a ballot. Uh, w w did I understand you correctly? The distinction between a ballot and an application. Talk about that a little bit. Correct. So um, let me give you a narrative that's probably the best way to do it. My recent experience um, in Wisconsin. So that's what happened. So um, they have this uh, tracking mechanism. We don't have this in Illinois, but it's statewide. It's called myvotewide.gov, and they are able to um, request a ballot. Um, sounds simple, right? <laughs> but uh, they do have the um, added struggle in Wisconsin of having to take a picture of their ID. Might be easy for Lenny and you and Dennis, but um, not easy for the majority of people that I spoke with. We actually had to have them download um, the Chrome browser, um, figure out, you know, people that had never done this before, people that had, you know, most of them didn't have smartphones, take a picture of that photo ID, have that attached. And then after that, they had to have a witness. With the pandemic going on, they had to find the postman, you know, God help the postman and women. Um, they had to have a witness. And with that, turn in the, um, the ballot. And I don't know, you know, I'm not speaking for all 50 states. We all have different levels of, um, restrictions, but um, that can't be. Um, and then there's the whole processing aspect. So I think um, there were uh, 1 million, not completely um, processed, but 1 million ballots received in Wisconsin. Um, who knows, there might not be good signature matches with, with those um, ballots, but um, all in all, it's complicated anyway with just sending the ballot. When we send just the application, it just gums up the whole process. Uh, November is, is you know, the election of our lifetimes and not being hyperbolic. So um, if you don't trust me, please uh, do everybody do your own Google research. 
uh, look at Vote at Home that has some really valuable research on that. But we have to get a ballot in everybody's hands or it won't. I personally think that it won't be as streamlined as it could be, to say the least. What, what you just said, who has very good information on this? I just didn't hear. It was kind of muffled what you said. Yeah, it's a uh, organization run by a woman who um, did this very well in Colorado. I believe her name is uh, Amber McReynolds. And uh, she's the CEO of an organization called Vote at Home. And it's Googleable. Got and they it. have a, a wealth of uh, information. What's right. the dif- don't ask me. But what's the difference between absentee and vote by mail, mm-hmm. uh, cost savings? It's not going to be. I've, I've already heard that excuse in Illinois. It's going to cost too much. It's going to cost too much not to do this. All right. I'm going to bring We will up. save money in the long run doing this. I'm going to bring Lenny on in a little bit, but before I do, one last thing: disinformation. You say you're fighting disinformation. Uh, what, in particular, kind types of dis- disinformation are you battling? I just saw this, um, and I would recommend Ben Wickler, the uh, chair, W I K L E R, the chair of the Wisconsin Democratic Party. I stole this from him. So, uh, Trump Super PAC just bought 2.7 million in ads in Wisconsin attacking Biden as pro-China. So that's one example. Um, I've made a number of trips to Wisconsin, and as I was driving around to meet some of my grassroots friends in um, Madison, I heard that uh, 88 of the uh, radio channels in Wisconsin, at least at the time when I was driving around, were conservative, and uh, 88%, and then you know very few percentage were uh, progressive. So um, of, of everything, my, my master plan, you know, number one, winning races, number two, election security. This has been the, the toughest one. And I have to say, uh, I'm really bringing out my nerve feathers, but I was at a congressional hearing in Gurney that uh, the esteemed Lauren Underwood was able to organize for us. And um, both DHS was there and um, ISB, Illinois State Board of um, Elections, who has a meeting, by the way, tomorrow at 1030. I'm trying to figure out how to get in virtually. And um, they said us, uh, they said to us, Steve Sandboss, and um, I can't remember who was there representing um, the but said what they're most worried about, and I know, by the way, I thought it was brilliant, that article you wrote on the hacking of Illinois, nobody knows about it, but I think uh, some of us, and um, they're more concerned, they're telling us about disinformation than they are about uh, hacking of our elections in um, 2020. I'm still worried about the hacking of the elections in 2022. That's just kind of gotten mixed up with all this um, vote-by-mail pandemic stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, disinformation, that's what happened in, in Wisconsin. And, um, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I don't have a solution on how to fight it, except I'll just do a call out for George Lakoff, who talks about the truth sandwich and putting the truth in front of the lies. I think even some of your esteemed colleagues, Ben, um, they talk about the lie first. We have to talk about the truth first. I'm with that's, you. I'm with you on my, that one. Uh, simple advice. Uh, and we'll continue to fight this, uh, one of the when one of the main weapons of disinformation that the Republicans are employing is this notion that there's something very fraudulent about voting uh, by mail. And Donald Trump himself got caught in the contradiction in the Republican message when a reporter asked him, well, you know, uh, Donnie, you, you vote by absentee by mail through Florida. And he was well, different when I do it than when Democrats do it. Okay, All right, Donnie, whatever you say. Um, but you have to keep putting that out there because they advance. I see this even in Chicago newspapers, you know, um, 
and some some of my esteemed colleagues are not so enlightened on this issue, and I'll leave them alone. I don't want to mention any names, uh, but they put that out there that well, you know, there's going to be this fraud. So that's obviously some um, that'll be a frontline battle in the disinformation war, right there. The notion that if people try to vote by mail, it's somehow fraudulent. Yeah, and if I could, I was on a conference call with a lot of players that are um, trying to push vote by mail this morning, and this is my chicken scratch writing here, so let's see if I can um, read this. But this came from a a representative from Vote at Home, and um, she talked about a study that the uh, Heritage Foundation had done, and um, they found just minuscule uh, samples of voter fraud. And there's there's a lot of studies. Uh, One of Lenny's members sent a study. There's minuscule voter fraud. If people are, are willing to listen to logic, we have the proof. I have found, bless them, my, some of my Republican relatives and friends, the, um, the logic and the truth hasn't, hasn't worked, but um, we have plenty of studies to dispel uh, voter fraud. It's really a non-issue. Okay, uh, uh, thank you very much, Rose. Uh, Lenny, uh, you've been sitting here very patiently, Bring you in. You must have been excited. I think I called Lenny too, Rose. I don't know if I called her or texted her. I was so excited. I was calling everybody I knew on Tuesday when the word came that Jill Karofsky had won. I, I, I kind of was operating in the universe, Lenny, that Jill was not going to win, Judge Jill, uh, as Rose calls her. And uh, I was so surprised. Not only did she win, but she it was like a decisive win. The It was obvious early. I remember when I called Rose. I go, she won. And Rose is like, no, it's too early. She didn't win. And I go, no, I'm looking at it right now. She won. And, and uh, I, I stopped following it. And then I, I realized the margin was even greater than when I was talking uh, to Rose. So, Lenny, you must have been pretty excited as well, huh? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I also texted Rose and Rose, Rose, if you can imagine, like every time I talk to Rose, I want to go running. My heart rate is already up. I want to go like see stuff. But Rose was already like, she, she heard the news, but she was already on another thing. <laughs> she got a lot of hats on. So yeah, super, super excited about that. We had so many people. We, you know, you just had Laura went in on the line from uh, Indivisible Evanston and you heard about the, all the postcarding that people did. Uh, phone calls. I mean, it, it was it's exciting, but also it, uh, others just like Rose are already already organizing for the next election in Wisconsin on May twelfth. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll probably talk about uh, And Lenny is the one, sort of the quarterbacks, getting these indivisible uh, shows. Uh, we're pretty much every Thursday now. Uh, and uh, we're, we're bringing some more, we'll bring some more people in to talk about that special election, the May 12th election. Uh, Lenny, before I close down for the day, why don't you give a shout out for my beloved Chicago reader? I've been writing for the reader since the 80s. I'm probably the oldest oldest person still connected to the reader. God bless the reader. And we've really been hit hard um, by the pandemic. You know, we were, uh, Lenny, before my opening segment was about the uh, protesters in Michigan. I was having a little fun at their expense. The Operation Gridlock protesters who were worried about uh, the impact uh, on the economy of the shutdown. And it's a very serious problem situation it's affecting my livelihood my wife's livelihood everybody i know's livelihood uh and uh but the reader is is fighting uh to stay alive and uh coming up with all kinds of uh, different strategies uh just to pay the bills during these times so tell a little uh, tell folks what they could do to help the chicago reader yeah so well first um 
I, I am uh, associated with Rose because we work together in the grassroots side. So Indivisible and the local level for um, Indivisible IL-9, the Stansikowski's district, as well as the state level Indivisible Illinois. But the reason why I'm here as a reader is because I know Tracy Bame, who was just, um, she was just named one of the 50 most powerful women in Chicago um, and well-deserved. Um, Tracy Bame is an activist at heart. And, um, you know, she works for all of us. The reader also works for all of us. She, I think the reader is reflective of all of Tracy's values. And um, then we're so lucky at the reader to have you there. I'm there as a sales, uh, on the sales side. So advertising is what I've been doing for the last, um, um, putting together advertising campaigns for folks. And as you know, all of those venues are shut down. 90% of um, readers. Readers, advertisers, um, you know, they're, they're no longer there. So we're trying to make up for it with different ways um, to fundraise, including um, reminding people that the reader is free, but you could still subscribe to the reader and you can get it weekly. We're still um, putting out um, weekly publications, although now every other week we're going to print. Every week is a PDF download, so you could still look that up online. Check it out, chicagoreader.com. We get over a half a million views um, every month, um, and including Ben Drofsky's show, which is listed on there. Um, if you go to chicagoreader.com, you can actually see uh, where you can subscribe to our newsletters. So if you don't know already, Ben actually writes uh, for the newsletter on Tuesdays. So you can sign up to get Ben Drofsky in your inbox on Tuesday Newsday, which is what we call Tuesday in activism um, world um, in the Ninth District, Tuesday Newsday. So get your news from Venturowski in your inbox. Um, so the other thing that we've been doing is um, holding different kinds of fundraisers, um, including the coloring book. So um, I was really excited to get it. Um, by the way, mail stuff right now. Let's support the um, Postal Service by actually purchasing stamps because we're going to need the post office if we want profile mail to be successful in Illinois. But I just got mine really excited about getting the Chicago Reader coloring book, which is very cool. And it was uh, it's a shared initiative with 50 different illustrators from Chicago and half of the proceeds are going to go to the artist and half of it is going to go to the Chicago Reader so we are going to save the reader by coloring our stress away. And just in a few short weeks, we were able to raise over $40,000 just by the PDF download, which is $30, and uh, $45 is the print. So order that on uh, chicagoreader.com forward slash coloring book. You can get it right away. If you go to chicagoreader.com, you'll be able to search for it. And again, subscribe to the reader subscribe to our newsletters, um, continue to support um, free alternative news weekly, first in the nation, Chicago Reader. Ben has been here for almost 30 years. Look out for Ben's book, which is going to be the best of Chicago Reader, Ben Jarofsky. So we're looking forward to that book coming out too. It's going to be a PDF download. And um, yeah, let's, let's keep doing this. Thank you, Ben, for always giving us the opportunity to come on your show and to let you know what we're we're doing, we're really excited. Last night, we just had um, Jill Wine Banks on the call with us. We had over we had over 50 people on the call from all over Chicagoland area listening to Jill um, talk. 
she's going to be on the show next Thursday around the same time. So we're super excited about that. We also had um, Sean Kasten on the line with us yesterday. Again, another 50 people on the call. Um, and Sean Kasten is one of our um, uh, candidates that we endorsed in 2018. And we're really grateful to be holding him accountable um, by thanking him for all the things that he's doing. Um, same with Davy Pritzker. We um, endorsed Davy Pritzker at the state level um, at the, uh, uh, in 2018. And we're also thanking him um, for all the great work that, that he's doing. Um, but I just want to circle back to Rose. Um, one thing that you could do besides buy the coloring book is to check out Indivisible IL on Twitter, Indivisible 9IL on Twitter. Um, also follow Ben Jarofsky on Instagram because I hear he's killing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, my Instagram and thank account. You. Thank you again. All right. Very good. Thanks so much, Lenny and Rose. Thank you as well. Uh, and I guess we're going to have to bring you back, Rose, before that May 12th uh, showdown in Wisconsin, talk about what's going down there. And it's not just Wisconsin. There's also Michigan. Uh, That's right. Those are the two big swing states in in our neck of the woods. Of course, Pennsylvania being the third. You win Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Hold the map. Donald Trump is history. And uh, I believe, Absolutely. Rose, that what went down in Wisconsin sent a message and those Republicans are talking all their trash and talking about, Oh no, it wasn't that big a deal, but you know, they're taking it seriously. And this is my thing about Dems Rose. Just let's close down. We'll just deal with this. Dems just fall asleep. They win something. They go to sleep. I've been watching this my whole, well, we won in Wisconsin. You cannot go to sleep. Republicans do not play around Rose. And so they're right now, they may be trash talking. Oh, it doesn't matter. You know, yeah, Dottie wasn't on the ballot, this, that, and the other thing. You know, they're already planning for how they're going to come back in the state of Wisconsin. That's right. We will not agonize. We'll mobilize. Very good. All right. Thank you very much, Rose. Thank you, Lenny. Uh, and, uh, of course, thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. Uh, we could not do this show without him. We actually have some updates here before oh, we go. Okay. I know that was a great outro you had there. Uh, the following really comes from the, it, <laughs> the following man. comes from the Chicago Sun Times and one Mitchell Armand Trout. I believe I've seen Mitchell Armand Trout in the cafeteria at the Sun Times. I miss you, Mitchell. I have no clue who he is. All right, I may have seen him. It's not even a it. cafeteria, really. It's more like a kitchen, kitchenette. Something like that. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I missed that kitchenette. <laughs> All right. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and this arm and trout feller. <laughs> Governor Jamie Pritzker and six other Midwestern governors have formed a coalition working, quote, in close coordination to determine how to ease the regional economy back into motion from the coronavirus shutdown. Pritzker announced the area partnership Thursday with... Mitchell, uh, Mitchell, Michigan Governor oh, Gretchen. Uh, Gretchen Whitmer, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine, Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers, Minnesota Governor Tim Walls, uh, and Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb, and Kentucky Governor Andy Bashar. Midwest Connection! <laughs> All right, good for the Midwest governors. All right, it says here uh, the governor said in a joint statement. We are doing everything we can to protect the people of our states and slow the spread of COVID-19, and we are eager to work together to mitigate the economic crisis that this virus has caused in our region. A joint statement there. joint station. I hear that, Operation Gridlock people, already getting a response. (laughs) Well, we'd rather die. We'd rather die. 
Oh, my goodness. The Operation Gridlock people. I'll tell you what, Michigan, that's one heck of a group you have there. Well, they're not wimps. I guess you could say that. Oh, uh, no. I, no, I disagree <laughs> with you. That's the whole point. They were in their cars, D. If they were not wimps, they'd be out there hugging with their shirts off. Well, they'd be stupid then. Well, they are stupid. You just got the whole point. You know, they had masks, so they're not stupid. Not all of them had masks, but most of that, that's true. Okay, they're not stupid. They're, they're advocating for something that they themselves aren't even doing. Like, in other words, just go expose yourself to the virus because it's more important that we keep our jobs open, uh, even though if we die, there will be no jobs. So anyway, guys, I'm saying, hey, it already worked. You and your, your Confederate flags and stuff, they already have that joint statement. So. All right, very good. That's uh, that's the show today. And as I was saying, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, Dad Coleman Alton. They call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of Betty Cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Hey, and remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Subscribe to the program. And if you download, check out the Ben Jarofsky show live stream sometime. It's fun. Hear all the stuff I edit out that sound awkward or weird. It's fun times. Go check it out and join the Ben Jarofsky show live stream chat, just like Fred did today. Fred, thank you so much. Tell your friends and don't be a stranger. Feel free to weigh in anytime. We'll see everybody tomorrow. radio make sure the television the, excuse me make sure you have the record player on at night the, the, the phone make sure the kids hear words that's correct